0: Hi, welcome back to this week's episode of On The Level Leadership. My name is Tammy. I am a leadership and career growth coach, and I'm here to talk about any and all things to help you be a much better leader so that you can grow as a person, you can grow in your career, and you can help grow your organization. So you're a leader in a mid to large size organization and you're wondering How you and your executive team are going to lead your organizations and your teams in a post COVID world. So it's everywhere the concept of the great resignation. Everyone is talking about it. And I myself am one of those people who opted during this COVID period of time to really do some self reflection and determine whether or not I wanted to continue in my career in the public service or whether I wanted to really follow my passion as a coach. There are many of us during this COVID period of time that have done a lot of reflecting and maybe even reconsidered whether or not we wanna continue moving in the direction that we're moving in, in our lives. Many of the larger reasons uh, that folks are leaving in terms of resignations, from what I can tell online from the various different Posts, whether they be through the Harvard Business Review, Forbes Magazine, etc., uh, is really comes down to boils down to a few key things. Uh, one is the lack of flexibility in workspace, in times that people can work, in locations of work, etc. Another is a lack of recognition. So a lot of people feel like they're part of the grind, but they don't really feel or understand what their role is in the organization as a whole, and what their role is in terms of their day to day job and how it impacts the greater. The bigger picture the greater vision and a lack of growth potential as well where folks feel again stagnated in their roles maybe they don't feel again validated in their skills and what they bring to the table and don't feel like their executive cadre is really giving them the opportunity to grow in their organization so people are leaving so if you do an online search you'll find a number of other reasons that people are leaving during this great resignation era of of our world right now really the lack of recognition The lack of heart and the lack of flexibility and openness is really, I think, sort of the key themes that seem to come out from all of these various articles that exist out there. It's really as if the COVID timeline had us really sit down and look at our lifestyles previous to COVID. When we all got shut down, I don't know about you, but I know for me, when I got shut down and was working from home, I no longer had to deal with a commute. I no longer had to give away my time before and after a workday. And I was able to just sort of, you know, get out of bed, put on a shirt, you know, make up my face quickly, and then be on a camera for 830 in the morning, it felt more convenient. You know, if we're really honest with ourselves, I think that many of us were pretty miserable pre COVID. Um, A lot of folks would say no, because I was able to travel freely. I didn't have to be vaccinated to go somewhere. I didn't have to show proof of anything. I could just come and go. I feel like my freedom's been removed from me. Those are very contentious issues that I don't really want to get into in terms of politics. But I do think that before COVID happened and before we were all locked down and and uh, we were forced, I guess, to reassess and reexamine our lives, I feel like we were fairly miserable as a population. We saw depression rates were soaring, uh, anxiety rates were soaring, uh, suicide rates were soaring, addictions are soaring. Uh, We were seeing and still are seeing uh, narcotic overdoses soaring as a real epidemic. I guess my point being is I think it's because The world generally, 90% of the population, 10% are more enlightened, I guess, and have figured out what their purpose is in life and are more aligned to that. But about 90% of our population is really not in alignment with what our purpose is or what it is we feel we're here to do. And so we were just going to work, kind of, you know, going to work and coming home and struggling to go from place to place and driving the kids to all the sports and doing all the things that we thought were measures of success, but really were trappings of success. And I think COVID was a bit of a circuit breaker for, for many of us to kind of re-examine what we were doing before and really being able to take a look at our schedules, our lifestyles, our choices in a way that was almost like, like I said, a circuit breaker, it kind of stopped us mid-track and, and really had us examine the the craziness that our lives were before COVID. So I think if, if I understand the demographic of folks that will be watching this channel or listening to this podcast, the reality is, as many of us have uh, you know, maybe succeeded in our lives in a way that everybody else sees as success. We may have secured our government jobs or our corporate jobs. We've gotten to be an executive. We've got a big title. We're driving an expensive car. We have maybe a big, you know, mid-sized house or not, what have you. Maybe we're able to travel and, and take vacations as a family every year. And we see that as measures of success because those are the trappings of success. Those are the things that keep us trapped, right? Our mortgages and our car payments and our expenditures and our credit card bills, all those things keep us trapped in the the hamster wheel that was pre-COVID, and it's still there now, don't get me wrong, those things are still with us. But I think we felt a sense of emptiness when we went into COVID that maybe we didn't realize we had because we were so blind as being part of the hamster wheel. And when your, your hamster wheel is shut down and suddenly you're forced to look at the hamster wheel as an outsider almost, you start looking at it and going, well, hold on a second now. Every day was crazy nonsense for me. And I'm not sure I want to go back to that. So I think going forward, how we as leaders manage this shift in perception and in perspective, is really going to be part of the talent war piece. Like if you really want to keep your talent in your organization or on your teams, you're going to have to grow as leaders as well in this shifting and dynamic environment that we're currently in. Part of it is really going back to basics, and it's a bit of a reset on how leadership practices work and which ones we should really be looking to adopt in a more full way. I think prior to COVID, one thing that I noted in my particular organization is that we were really good at producing things, we were really good at preparing for things, we were really good at responding to things. What we weren't really good at is really honoring and recognizing the people behind the machinery, Um, you know, encouraging the heart, uh, acknowledging people's efforts was a very corporately driven thing, but wasn't necessarily a one on one driven thing as a leader to employee or a leader to direct report, or a leader to colleague, we weren't really doing that super well. And I don't know about your organization, I'd be curious in the comments down below, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, or just interesting, just consider this as if you're listening from the podcast, you know, how is it that your organization, or as the people in your organization really spent time honoring the the input that people were providing in your organization. So how did you yourself as a leader in your organization, by the way, that does not mean you have to have a title. I mean, you as, as a leader, a person working in your organization, how did you recognize your direct reports or your colleagues input or assistance or efforts on a daily basis? Like, did you say thank you? Did you provide gratitude? Did you buy people coffee on occasion? Like, what are the kinds of things that just sort of let people know that you cared about what it was that they were offering in terms of service to the company or to the organization. So while the principles espoused by Kuzas and Posner in books like The Leadership Challenge uh, are very clear, the how and we how we implement those uh, pieces can be dependent really on the company, the industry, the history, the context of the work that you're doing, all of those things, the dynamics, the culture, the relationships, the challenges, the obstacles, all of those things feed into how you might implement some of these Leadership Challenge um, principles And or any other leadership principles that you may see out there that might be of benefit to your organization. So that said, there's a few key points that I feel that leaders and companies will need to keep in mind in the post-COVID era as we go to this new normal that has yet, by the way, to be determined fully. Now, I've done a lot of reading on, um, you know, some of the post-COVID reintegration, team reintegration pieces out there by Harvard Business Review and Forbes, just to name a couple of the resources that I go to on a regular basis. But I got to say that there are a few key points that that really sort of bubble up as regular standard pieces. Um, and the first one is a need to innovate or to continue to be innovative. Innovation is, although can include technology, it's not just about technology. Leadership innovation is really about willing to look at new ways of doing business. And the whole hybrid model, in my view, is a form of innovation and how we implement the hybrid model being some people in the office, some people working from home, an exchange between the home and and distance sort of office. Some folks that are working maybe in a region away from the headquarters building location versus everybody working in the same city, but just working virtually part of the time, what that hybrid model will look like will depend on the company and what works for that company or for that organization. I think that if it's one thing COVID did, is it really forced us to look at how to adapt how we do our business, how we run our shops. And I think we we very quickly adapted to things like Zoom and MS Teams and And other processes to maintain accountability and to get businesses to continue to move forward, uh, to keep being able to meet our mandates. If you're in public service, for example, we were able to shift pretty quickly. Um, But I do think that the, the ongoing innovation piece is going to be key to success for companies and organizations that want to continue to grow beyond this COVID era. I think one of the things is really um, comes down to tech. Actually, is looking at our technology supports and how we manage our communications, our accountability. How do we do our reporting? You know, we're going to have to be flexible and dynamic in how we adjust in the post-COVID era on this, because I think that the talent war is going to be huge in terms of whether or not we offer those innovative and flexible dynamics. So, if we are not willing to be nimble in the area of innovation, Um, We're not going to continue to attract talent and we're going to continue to lose talent on a regular basis if we're not nimble. So, you know, to keep things moving smoothly, we're going to have to look at new and emerging ways and be willing to course correct as we learn um, in in the post-COVID world. Uh, being innovative means being willing to take a few chances, being willing to trial and error things, being willing and open to listening to new voices or new perspectives or fresh ideas where maybe you might not have been as open pre-COVID in an office environment. So I think this is going to stretch some leaders, especially some of the old school leaders that are used to having everybody kind of cocooned in their office where they can kind of, for lack of better words, micromanage and check for FaceTime in the office. I think those days are done. I think the days of FaceTime and calculating using that as a means of calculating whether somebody's working hard or not are out the window. I mean, FaceTime is nonsense. I think it's how productive are you? Are you getting stuff done? Are you um, you know, making commitments as an employee and, and meeting those commitments? And as a manager or as a leader in an organization, are you tracking those metrics? Are you keeping track? Are you course correcting? Are you managing problems as they come up? This will challenge many of us because there are many leaders out there, and I'm hearing it from people I know personally, who are like, you know, I'm done with COVID. I'm done. I want to go back to what it was before COVID. Like, I'm tired of managing people virtually. And I think that that's going to be tough because I think people, there are certain people that really excel at working virtually while others need to be in an office environment. And I think that going forward, being innovative on how we manage those team dynamics is going to be really important if you want to maintain your talent base. Our role as leaders is going to be really about encouraging those around us to participate in those conversations around what the new hybrid model even looks like. Remember that, you know, establishing a new vision in this company and team is really about moving completely away from the virtual model. So, if we're going to start having some folks in the office, some not in the office, how do we ensure equity? How do we assure that people who are in office are not promoted at higher rates? Because we know, statistically speaking, that people in office um, get promoted and recognized more readily. And the reason is simple: because they have face time with the management team, who are usually in the office. And the executive team sees people and it's human nature that the more you see someone, the more you talk to them, the more you trust them, the more you value them, the more likely you are to promote them. So working in a hybrid environment can be a bit challenging for those that are maybe working out of the home or working virtually because they may feel disadvantaged to having the promotions or being considered for promotions because they're working virtually. And there's this old notion as well that people who work remotely are somehow less productive than those working in the office, which is an old notion. It's one that's persisting, however, and it's one that I don't believe in because I have been working virtually on and off for probably the latter part of the last four to five years, even in my career when I was an executive in the government, and I can tell you that it did not make me any less productive or effective. However, I do think that there's a perspective out there that that is, in fact, the case. So I think, you know, again, managing mental models, managing how we perceive how we lead people is going to change or is going to have to change if your organization is going to continue to attract the talent that you want and need to be successful. The second big thing I think that leaders are going to have to really look at is their ability to be flexible and and establish some sort of balance for their teams. I think working in a more flexible manner over time and not being so hard coded to the notion of going back to the office, I think is going to help really attract talent in a way that before COVID might not have. I think this is going to require trusting first. You know, Kuzes and Posner talk about this where you're going to hire great resources. You should assign the tasks and have them, you know, get on side with the vision and the projects that everyone is a part of, make sure that they have and understand what the roles are with respect to that. And then let them turn them loose and let them do their thing. You hire talent because they're talented and you don't hire them to micromanage them. So The idea is to trust them and clearly as a leader, you're going to have to you know, ensure that metrics and performance standards are maintained and adhered to, you're going to need to track your success and ensure your success for a variety of reasons. But I mean, the old ways of monitoring FaceTime are out, and you're going to have to really learn to trust, have a more trust filled environment. And that's going to mean letting down your guard a little bit and the need to like control every single piece of behavior that your staff have, and learning to be more open to a trust first or trust always environment. Now, again, if somebody has, you know, performance issues, or you have seen that they have demonstrated a lack of being able to be trusted, well, that's a different story. That's a performance management issue that as a manager, you would deal with. But as a leader, I think it's important that if you trust your staff, and you 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 expect the best, you're not only going to get the best results from people, because when you expect the best, you get the best. But you're actually going to get less turnover and much more employee satisfaction in the long run. To conclude that piece around flexibility, the narrative online is pretty clear. Be flexible or lose the talent war. So the third big piece around how to lead in a post-COVID era and looking at how we're going to maintain our talent in this new normal we're trying to establish is the concept of being empathetic. You know, Gary V from Vayner, uh, Media is all over social media on this, talking about empathy and how important it is to leadership. And I, I actually think he's in fact, I know he's definitely onto something because one of the things that we did very poorly pre-COVID was, you know, encouraging the heart, which, you know, is the fifth principle in the Leadership Challenge uh, book from Kuzes and Posner. We, we didn't do that very well. We didn't encourage the heart super well. And so I think the concept of empathy and understanding what people's perspectives are will be important going forward, especially as you do reintegration of people coming back to the office. The last two years for all of us has been rough. You know, whether it's that you've lost your job because of COVID, maybe you've lost a parent due to COVID, maybe you lost your freedom because of COVID because you can't move around like you used to, you can't travel the way you want to, Uh, You've gotten increased fear or anxiety because of COVID, Uh, you know, some challenges with your family or your children because of the, the virtual learning we had to do or the lockdowns we've had to experience. There's a lot that has happened over the past two years that has affected every single human on this planet in some way, shape or form. I think it's important to keep that in mind when we're going back to the office, especially, and we're starting to welcome people back in. Remember that, you know, be empathetic because some people will not be happy to be back in the office. Some people, for a variety of good reasons or bad. will not want to be there. You know, maybe they're still scared about COVID. Maybe they're still nervous about getting it and they haven't gotten it yet. Maybe they've lost a parent and they still have some trauma around that. Maybe they don't want to be back in the office because simply going back to the office means a, you know, hour long commute again or having to spend $500 a month on parking that they didn't have to spend for the past two years and they've saved You know, a ton of money because of it. It's meaning, it may mean less time with the family, uh, being home later than usual and not having dinner with the kids like you have been establishing in the past two years. There's a variety of reasons why people won't be happy to be back in the office. And I think being empathetic to that as a leader is going to be important because it's going to take time for people to readjust to this new normal again. And again, being if we're flexible and we allow a hybrid model to occur in our organizations, then those people who are maybe not as happy to be back in the office will be much more tolerant and maybe more satisfied about being in the office if they get a day or two of reprieve where they don't have to commute into the office. So I think, again, being open-minded and empathetic to other people's feelings around how the COVID crisis has affected them personally will be huge in this new normal we're all trying to establish. Your job as a leader is going to be managing the dynamic of those that are super happy to be back because they're tired of being stuck in their houses and they want to be social and they want to talk to people again and they want to be back in the office. and They want to be able to separate their home life and their office space, which... Going to an office can help facilitate because when you walk out of a building, you're physically detaching yourself from your workspace, it's easier to detach yourself in the evening at home, whereas if your office space is in your front living room, you have to look at it every time you go by the kitchen, it reminds you of the work you're not getting done and it can be a really big burden on us psychologically in our homes. So again, there are good reasons and bad reasons for returning to the office or returning back uh, to an in-person situation, but not everybody's going to be happy about it. The key to this as a leader is going to be maintaining personal and team openness and dialogue so people can continue to push through these shifts and these changes. Going back after all of this time is going to be hard on many of us for a variety of reasons. And so our job as leaders to make sure the work continues to move forward and balancing this return is going to be key, making sure that we have frequent conversations. And the other piece too, is I would say, acknowledge the difficulty for some, you know, be willing to have the open conversation with people know, look, I get that this is hard for you and have a coffee chat with them to let them vent a little bit and let them adjust in the way that they need to adjust. I think um, being willing to hear folks out again you don't have to agree with their opinions you don't have to agree with how they're thinking you don't have to think about agree with how they're what they're even saying even you don't need to agree with that you can say well i don't necessarily agree with that but i understand what you're bringing to the table i understand why you feel that way or i get why you might be thinking that way being empathetic does not equal agreement so but it is going to allow folks to feel valued feel heard feel acknowledged, and that's going to really help to carve down the sharp horns as people come back to the office. Leading in the post-COVID era as we decide whether or not we want to work in a hybrid model and what that looks like is not going to be an easy process. It's going to require a lot of patience. It's going to require some innovation, some flexibility, and a lot of empathy. So keep that in mind as you move forward. I want to wish you all the best as you and your organizations try to figure out and hammer out what this new normal looks like and feels like. I do appreciate you being here. Whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening via podcast, I want to thank you for the time that you've taken with me this week. I have links either in the YouTube video or in the podcast where you can reach me if you want some help in the post-reintegration process, or if you're looking for ways of assessing your leadership for their competencies to get a better sense of where they could stand to grow a little more to help with this reintegration process, I'd be glad to help you out. If you're following on YouTube, please feel free to like and subscribe because it really does help this channel out. For those listening via podcast, I want to thank you for being here. Appreciate the time you've taken. And I'll be here next week with more content that will help you grow as a leader or in your career.